Welcome back to another episode of the Drill to Detail podcast, the series about the people and products driving innovation in the data and analytics industry. So I'm your host, Mark Whitman, and this episode, I'm joined by Mike Ferguson, Managing Director of Intelligent Business Strategies, an analyst, consultant, and fellow Brit who seems to be traveling around Europe and speaking at events even more than I do. So welcome to the show, Mike. And why don't you introduce yourself to the audience and tell us a little bit about what you do and your your company. Okay, thanks, Mark. Um, so yeah, um, uh, what, what I am really is a, uh, an IT industry analyst and a consultant that specialize in data management, BI, and analytics. And I've pretty well been there all my career. We, um, we're a small boutique sort of industry analyst firm um, that does three major things. We do research, we do education. So we have a series of educational courses that we teach all around the world. And then uh, we have, of course, the consulting that we work with uh, various customers um, uh, at, at strategic and, te- and technical levels um, in the areas that I, that I mentioned, you know, data analytics, BI, and and any related peripheral activities around it, like architecture and uh, and that kind of thing. Okay, okay. And what interested me particularly about speaking to you was, yeah, you know, first of all, I've seen you seen that you've been presenting a lot and and running seminars and so on. But you've been particularly focusing on i suppose the enterprise side of, of analytics and i think it's there's been a lot of talk you know about a lot of kind of talk in the industry about so it's democratizing analytics and analytics at a small scale and all that kind of stuff but you know you you've been really looking at it from an enterprise level uh, and looking at some of the i suppose some of the kind of the really important um sort of difficult knotty tasks around this around things like data management and master data and so on i mean Tell us, tell us a bit about how you got into the industry. What was your kind of in, entry into into doing this sort of thing? Well, my initial entry point, I guess, was as, as a database administrator uh, way back in the 80s, uh, in the very early 80s. Um, and I, I just started as a regular database administrator. And a lot of people were very green behind the ears, I guess, in, in, in those days um, around this topic. And um, a new technology was emerging. I was very fortunate in my career to get the chance at quite a young age as a young researcher to co-found a company called Cod and Date with two relatively giants of of the computing industry, Dr. Ted Cod and Chris Date. Ted, of course, invented the relational model and got the Turing Award. Two of them are, of course, both British, um, but lived in the US. Um, and, and of course, the, the relational model is a, is a mathematical underpinning to every relational database that ever emerged in the industry, whether, whether that be you know, popular products like Oracle and Microsoft SQL Server and IBM DB2 and Teradata and Exadata and all, all of them. You know, I mean, they, they all um, are underpinned by what, what Ted invented. And of course, if you ever were a student of computer science anywhere on the planet, you probably got an introduction to database by CJ Date, who wrote all the books in the 80s and 90s around relational and popularized it, if you like. And and so, yeah, that was a, an amazing experience for me. It was an incredible learning curve working with both of them. It was a very small boutique firm, and we, we operated pretty worldwide. Um, and, and remarkably in an era when there was no internet. So when we uh, 
turned up at the beginning of the relational era to talk about this stuff. You know, we were literally playing to thousands of people in huge conferences. So, yeah. And then after that, I, I had the chance to switch to the other side of the fence to go to the vendor side and uh, fortunate enough to be uh, headhunted by a relatively young, small uh, startup database company in Los Angeles at the time, uh, which was Teradata, and they asked me to to join. And um, I joined the UK organization initially, but within a pretty short few months, I was moved to uh, report directly into Los Angeles and became a chief architect on the product strategy and architecture team team there. So, and that was tremendous. I mean, it was the first database really that pioneered massively parallel database computing aimed at the analytics market. And I suppose in a way um, it was Teradata that took me down the kind of analytical road. Um, whereas before that I was looking at relational in a general purpose, both operational and analytical workloads. But And then obviously um, having worked there for, I guess, about uh, nearly four years again, I um I then had a, an old friend of mine um, who's now retired, Colin White, again, a British guy, um, who who was an independent industry analyst in the US, and Colin approached me, and we formed a, a company called Database Associates, which had a small number of people in the US and, and initially just me in Europe, um, again, aimed at the kind of data management BI market, data warehousing market in those Days at the end of the eighties, early nineties, and um, and I, I started that, and uh, and all the others have retired. So um, yeah, I'm, st- I'm I'm kind of still going, and obviously got a number of other associates that I work with, and I, I live in Europe, but I, I I work pretty worldwide. But I think it's fair to say, you know, most of my life is spent uh, in and around mainland Europe and UK, uh, and I'm, I'm in the US probably about five or six times a year i guess yeah so occasionally get further afield than that too excellent and i think you know again what interested me speaking to you was you know i i there's a lot of people that i know uh, in the industry kind of all in our 50s early 50s you know uh, and 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 you know and but one thing what's interesting about you is, is is you still seem to be very kind of relevant to 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 what's going on now i mean it's you know there's a lot of people around who <coughs> contributed a lot into the industry um, and who aren't maybe so you know relevant now, or, or certainly maybe sort of semi-retired or whatever. But you know, you still seem to be kind of like finger on the pulse, really, of what's going on uh, in the industry now, uh, and and relevant to the fact you're running kind of seminars and so on, and actually consulting for companies. It's not it's not just because you're a celebrity. It's you obviously put value into places, really. I mean, it's um, it must be well, yeah. I mean, well, try. Done. I mean, I think there's no question about. It. I mean, I'm I'm chairman of Big Data London. You know, the fastest growing conference in. Europe, I think now we had seven and a half thousand people in London last year and growing hopefully bigger again this year. But but yeah, I mean I think the challenge for me is is, you know, the area that I've chosen for most of my career, data, uh, BI and analytics, has been pretty evergreen. You know, um I'm, I've had my business now for twenty five years as an independent and um but I think there's no question it's still evolving, it's moving, you know, and, and that's exciting. I mean, you you know, you get the chance to learn about and uh, work with new technologies and figure out what 
you know, what, what value you can get from it. And, um, you know, you occasionally when you've been, I suppose, in there as long as I have, you, you often see, uh, see the, see the whole cycle go around again. You know, I mean, some of the things, some of the things that are emerging now, I've definitely had, I've been there the first time around. Um, and, 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 and so a lot of the things you learn first time around are, are still relevant, believe it or not. But uh, yeah, technology is changing. Um, and, you know, a big, um, um, you know, push obviously on, I suppose, what's new now is just a sheer complexity around data, the number of data sources, the number of, data stores uh, on multiple clouds in the data center and, and managing and governing the whole thing as well as trying to, you know, use modern day new analytical algorithms and whatnot to deliver value from it and add it to the kind of traditional data warehousing and BI stuff that's been around and underpinning decisions for so, so long. So, so you know, you, you've chosen to sort of focus your career on the kind of enterprise end of of, of, of kind of IT, and you know, what, what, within I suppose <clears throat> within that world, within the kind of the the, the world of corporates and enterprises, you know, what's the number one issue around analytics and data management that, that CIOs and CD, C and CDOs and so on are asking you about? What, what's the kind of top thing on their mind at the moment? I think the top thing on their mind is is kind of a dilemma. The dilemma is how do you uh, get governance and remove garbage in, garbage out on the one side. And then on the other side is, as the Americans would say, how do you turn on a dime? I mean, how do you deliver value quicker, transform, become more agile, and really drive competitive advantage or, or, uh, by leveraging data and, and analytics? Um, so I, I kind of think, you know, when I started, there's no question that kind of data warehousing and BI were kind of off to one side and, and, and transactional systems were kind of dominating to a large extent. I think nowadays what's become pretty clear is that data and analytics have moved to the middle of the enterprise and, and every operational system and every process wants it. And, and so, you know, there's an enormous thirst enterprise-wide for data and analytics. So I think, I think the problem is, is, is a, on the one side is, is how do you integrate all the stuff that's going on out there in this space, you know, because it's gone way beyond data warehousing. You know, we've got all kinds of analytical workloads and um, whether it's streaming or whether it's, you know, graph analytics or analyzing huge amounts of clickstream or unstructured data in, in big data platforms or, um, you know, any of that, in addition to the kind of classic warehousing setup. And so there's a kind of, you know, we've moved to a world of workload optimized systems. But I think um, what's pretty clear now is, how do you integrate it and deliver value from it? I mean, I think it's it, it's it's clear that culture is causing a major issue in companies that are striving towards um, or wanting to become data driven. Hmm. Okay. I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot in, in what you said. There. There's a lot of things to kind of unpack. I mean, just start going back through them and and, and try and tackle them sort of one by one. I mean, so so you know you you've 
Yeah, I think I've heard you talk in the past about modernising the data warehouse, you know, and you've talked about, I suppose, the thing you said there was about turning on a dime and, and, and retaining the agility. I mean, what, what's the biz, What's the kind of the, the business problem that, that the, the organisations are facing there? And what's the impact, I suppose, of not addressing this? I think, I think the problem is that data warehouses on their own are not doing it anymore in the sense that that structured data, it's very well bedded down. It's very well understood. It's very mature. Um, and yes, there are, you know, new things that have come along, you know, perhaps more modern uh, data modeling techniques that are more change management friendly, like data vault and things like that. But I, I think generally speaking, um, that's been an area that's pretty well understood, probably uh, we're over 30 years since Barry Devlin wrote the first white paper on data warehousing now, and, and, and probably about 28 since Bill Inman's book. So, you know, that's a mature space. But I, 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 I think uh, the other thing that's happened is, is just a sheer thirst for new data that is not all structured, you know, that, that can be semi-structured like JSON or XML, that can be very high um, velocity data like clickstream or, or IoT data coming in or or even huge amounts of unstructured data, whether it's text from social media or, or review websites or even internal email coming in from outside customers. I think there's a big push around customer data way beyond just what they buy um, people want to, you know, particularly at exec level, they were, you know, they were pretty sacrosanct about customer data and investing in protecting and retaining customers. But I think, you know, the 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 issue is because there are so many projects that have uh, are happening, if you like, outside of IT in the area of analytics. Now, there's a real requirement to say, given that all, you know, we've gone from a data warehouse to what I would call um, an analytical ecosystem of multiple underlying types of platform that are optimized for specific kinds of analytics. And, and, and I think the requirement now is how do you um, bring those together and integrate it with, you know, the data warehouses that, that we've put in place. And at the same time, I think there are some question marks around agility on traditional data warehousing and how do you therefore speed up the ability to change it and um, and add new capabilities to your data warehouse that you couldn't do before. For example, you know, if you have to make structural changes quickly, you know, what happens if you've got a data warehouse and uh, I don't know, let's say in the in the European Union, you've got sales analytics, and you've got twenty seven or twenty eight, or soon to be twenty seven uh, data marts, one for each country. Um, if you change the data warehouse, the potential impact is that twenty seven data marts may also have to change, and all the ETL jobs may have to change supporting it. And so that means that a simple change to a data warehouse could have a dramatic domino impact and then causing a very long amount of time before that change is fully implemented across the board. And I think, you know, the, the problem is that with those systems being in production, companies now want, um, you, you know, to be able to change that far more rapidly 
and and quickly get things implemented and move on. You know, so I think there's that. I think there's the need to lower the latency of data to be able to integrate data warehouses with streaming, for example, to to be able to get data and also to be able to join data in data warehouses with data in say other systems like big data systems, whether that be Spark clusters running on the cloud or whether it be Hadoop systems in the data center with Spark running on it or something like that. And 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 so there's, you know, because I think what people want is they don't want to have to figure out how to access multiple different analytical systems with different APIs. They just want to want it to be easy to access integrated data that may actually end up being in multiple places under the covers and so in that sense in you know the the question is how do you um, produce related types of insights in different platforms but still make it really easy to access those insights from traditional bi tools and applications so so i mean that that's a great summary i think of what a lot of what a lot of customers are kind of saying and and, and certainly it's the leading often to a kind of like pitch from a vendor like Oracle, for example, you know, to say the answer is you buy everything from us and, and it all does this stuff. I mean, what 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 would you what are you finding is actually working, or what what would your advice be to customers with this kind of this kind of uh, issue, and, and and how would they start to tackle this? Do you think in a way that's going to give them kind of results, really? I think the issues are that over the last few years we've had an, a bottom up approach to development where different parts of the business have had their own budget and gone off and done their own projects in a relatively autonomous fashion. And so they've not really been tied together in any way. And I think I think what I'm seeing now is that um, a lot of these projects have failed in, 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 in the sense that you know, the value has been a lot less than expected. But I I think what I'm seeing now is a is a, is a real requirement for top down, uh, where you know we're now seeing organizational appointments like chief data officers, which which never existed, you know, five or six or years ago. Um, but these these aren't IT related appointments. They typically are a business executive who, in many cases in the UK at least. Um, reports directly to chief chief executives these days and and i think it's pressure from those executives who are accountable um to deliver value for business um from data and analytics that's really beginning to let's say um bring to order all of the disparate projects that have been going on around there and trying to align them and i think align them around what you might say well align them around um, high priority strategic business goals Uh, and so that you know you know if you're trying to solve the problem of fraud for example well there could be multiple different kinds of data and analytical projects associated with fraud everything from streaming analytics to stop a a fraudulent transaction in flight which is a real-time requirement all the way to graph analytics that are trying to find fraud rings for example and and and, and yet uh, you know whether that's traditional data warehousing big data you know sql or streaming there's a collection of projects that together would 
tackle the fraud problem. The same could be said for customer engagement or optimizing business operations like a supply chain or manufacturing or something. And so and so there's a collection of uh, data and analytical projects that I think um, need to be brought together uh, and targeted at specific business problems. And I think, you know, what I'm seeing now is pressure from uh, C-level executives to to kind of say, look, you know, we've had an awful lot of new technology over the last five or six years. We've had a lot of people downloading and technology like data science is changing dramatically. New algorithms, new libraries, new technologies coming out all the time and data scientists wanting to grab these and see if it makes any improvement on what they're already doing. But I think the pressure from the C-level executives is say, look, don't forget we're working for a bank here, we're working for a retailer, we're working for an airline, we've got to deliver value and we've got to align it with business strategy. And I think I think it's pretty clear now that um, the pressure's on to to organize much better than we have done. Um, it's not always a technology problem, it's a people problem as much as anything. And I think I think there's there's pressure now to to organize and try and fuel a much more uh, data-driven culture, you know, um, and, and, and yeah, for the first time, well, not the first time, but I think it's only recently in the last few years that I think data and analytics in particular has has really resonated in the boardroom. And, uh, um, and, and I think that's the thing that's happening. I mean, clearly companies that don't have um, uh, an executive at the C-level accountable I think have a much more challenging problem because they still have autonomy in the business units and in their departments and and they may be pulling in all directions with no sign of alignment um, across the organization. So whilst I'm not saying that it should be centralized or anything like that, I think the classic cycle has emerged. You know, we we went from centralized IT doing all of this to um, distributed sort of set up with business doing their own thing. And I think now we're calling for a kind of federated setup where where there's some kind of overarching uh, responsibility and alignment uh, that's trying to reach across the enterprise and bring everybody into line. Okay. I mean, so... Um... So do you find there's an would you find there's an appetite for kind of enterprise style projects now with this kind of area? What, yeah, what what's the what's the what's the kind of typical time span of an initiative or a project now? And it, you know, is is there's a is there a budget century now for this sort of thing? Or, or how, how do you find that really? I find that a real problem, to be honest. I mean, I think there's not a lot of budget or a lot of time for so-called enterprise projects. People want quick win. They want delivery in a specific area and they want incremental growth um, which is easier to say than do um, uh, I think the problem is that there's often a case that um, these projects are not sort of um, tied to a bigger picture which is part of a you know like the front of a jigsaw box which has had all these components come together to deliver the value you want um, and, and I think um, for that reason, there's no question at this point in time that um, that the whole distributed um, development is still uh, driving uh, 
individual investments and, and, and area investments in, in projects. I think the appetite for enterprise level projects has has not um, come back, um, except for, I think, where it's beginning to come back, and that is in the area of data management. Um, that is to say, well, let, let, that's what we mean by that. Um, we've now got data coming in, you know, all different types. It's being ingested into all kinds of data stores all over the enterprise. Um, everything from cloud storage to NoSQL databases like um, document databases and column family databases and whatnot um, to still staging areas and data warehouses and big data Hadoop systems. The problem right now is um, nobody knows where any data is. And so there's no mechanism to find out what data is where, to understand the degree of duplication. And so we're seeing a big a big uh, interest right now in things like data catalogs um, in order to automatically discover where the data is. Um, because I think the frustration is um, that whilst all of these investments are going on in data science, we're still getting or get potentially getting garbage in, garbage out. I think privacy has been a really big deal recently with GDPR, and that's been brought up, you know, made its way to the boardroom and all the other initiatives associated with it, like ethics and all the rest of it around data. But I, I think, generally speaking, the frustration is that if you spend all this money and everyone prepares their own data and produces insights from various analytical models and whatnot, the danger is that it's still inconsistent and incorrect. And I think the the appetite is now there to to get rid of garbage in, garbage out. And for that reason, I do believe that that data is getting um, uh, being looked at from an enterprise-wide level. And, and, and admittedly, I think there's still a big issue. You know, I think even if you have an enterprise executive like a CDO responsible and accountable for it, um, uh, and primarily that's going to be data governance, but also I think driving competitive advantage from data but then the you know they are tasked with putting together a data strategy that they're, they're tasked with uh being offensive in the form of 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 driving value from data from a data strategy and uh taking an offensive stance on that to make sure that, that happens quickly and and incrementally and continues to drive new value whilst at the same time having a defensive element in order to be able to govern and remain compliant and all of those good things and and, and make sure that um, privacy and quality and all the rest of it are upheld. So I, I think this is one of the reasons why frustration with self-service data prep is, is happening and um, people are now looking to uh, things like data lakes as a way to um, – perhaps ingest data into uh, a data lake environment and then drive data projects that don't do everything for everybody. But I mean, if you look at data scientists, what, say 80% of their time preparing data, you know, really, I mean, we, we need to get over that. But I think, I think the recognition is we have to try and accelerate that at the same time to produce I think data products or data assets that are trusted, that are reusable, uh, 
and that accelerate these projects rather than force everybody back to raw data all the time. So there's a couple of things you met, you touched on then. I mean, you mentioned about uh, about being data driven, and you mentioned like data lakes there as well and agility. I mean, da- data data lakes. <clears throat> I mean, it, it's it, yeah. I mean, it, it, in a way, it kind of it, it is kind of like um, having your cake and eat it. It's a bit like a bit like our Brexit strategy, isn't it? it, it in that you know. It's saying, well, let's land all this data here and, and a purpose will arise for it. And the end users will, will take charge of, of, of kind of making sense of it. And yet logic would say that that is perhaps a bit of a kind of wishful thinking. What, what's your what's your experience been of data lakes and where <clears throat> where kind of have you seen them show value and be have impact on the business, maybe? It's a good question. I mean, first of all, I think it's a terrible term. Um, I think it's been um, misinterpreted often directly associated with a specific technology like a dupe, which means if you have if you have a dupe you've got a data lake. If you don't have a dupe you haven't. I don't believe that whatsoever. You know, you just look at cloud storage, you know, people storing uh, large amounts of data on Amazon S3 or Azure um, object storage or Azure Data Lake or, or, or Google Cloud or whatever. Um, now I think the idea behind it is is an organized collection of data stores. It doesn't have to be centralized, you know, where you bring all your data to one physical place before you can process it. I mean, I think the misconception of a data lake is that is that all data has to be moved to one place before you can process it. And I, I don't agree with that. I mean, I think there's other configurations for a data lake, such as a logical data lake where, where you know, if you take a very large bank or a very large pharmaceutical or a very large retailer or whatever, you know, they, they can't physically bring all data to one data store. It's just not practical, you know, especially when many of these huge companies operate in, tens or even over a hundred countries in, in, in some cases. But I, I think when you look at it like that, the, then the recognition is, well, can you organize storage so that there are, you know, dedicated stores that are associated with ingesting data, dedicated stores associated with staging during the curation process and dedicated stores that only hold trusted ready-made data. And, and then I think, that's really beginning to organize it. And so you start to see the concept of zones and that kind of thing emerge. But I also think the other thing that's emerging now is not only could you give me a data catalog to tell me what data I have and where the personally identifiable data is and what quality it's in, but can I also use this technology to create a marketplace where that marketplace uh, is is only showing uh, consumers of information trusted data assets that they can pick up and reuse. I mean, <clears throat> if I'm building a model to do with uh, customer churn, you know, and I already have a trusted asset in customer master data, why on earth would I ask the data scientist to go all the way back to the raw data and build customer identity again? By pulling together attributes from different stores to just say this is what I, here are my customers. I mean, if that already exists, why would you do it again? Um, of course, there's additional insight that you want to know about customers, but if the uh, customer identity data is already integrated, then why do it again? Um, so I, I, I think um, 
the idea here is is to not go the whole distance from raw data to value, but go you know all the way to the last mile in a sense. That give me um, pre-built you know ready-made data assets that can be rolled out incrementally, and then new projects that come along can leverage what's been invented before. But but please don't let multiple projects go and do the same thing again and again and again because inadvertently they potentially will create multiple versions of the same thing that are all inconsistent and then and then trust breaks down again so i, th- I think the issue here is is how do you um, how do you break this uh, cycle i mean everyone says well we want to go back to the raw data nobody's throwing away the raw data but i think what we are saying is can we incrementally continue to accelerate projects and make them go faster and faster by producing these things, these data products or data assets and, and making them reusable and making people know they exist uh, through through things like a, a catalog and, and this so-called data marketplace tech sort of idea. Um, it's these kinds of things that I think people are now looking at. Uh, and I suppose in the, in the sense that, the perception is that the data lake is the answer. Well, I think the data lake's a starting point, you know, but I'm going from data lake to data marketplace, you know, and, and so it's the marketplace where you really want to focus. That's the thing that's going to get you the the value. In fact, um, that that's the, the, the um, topic of my uh, presentation in TDWI in Germany this year will be about marketplaces. But I, I really see now lots of companies trying to say, look, is there a better way or are we going to have you know, hundreds of business use, business analysts and, and data scientists, all with self-service data prep, all building, building their own individual silos and uh, everybody integrating data and nobody sharing anything that they create, which would be a disaster. I mean, that would be that would be even worse. I mean, that would be you know loads of different versions of the same thing, and no one wants to trust any what anyone else has created. So, I think we've got to somehow find a way out of this. But uh, you know, that that to me is the the big challenge right now. So, so are you finding? I mean, on a sort of similar or kind of related note, you know, um, a, a, a resurgence of interest in things like master data management and, and I suppose customer data platforms and so on. Is that is that a, a topic that's now kind of relevant again to, to people you speak to? Very much so. Uh, ironically, the the BI survey um, that um, the largest one out there that Bark does, good friend of mine, Karsten Banger, that I. I do a, a, an event with every year. Um, uh, his survey came up with, um, for the first time I've, I've seen that back end of 2018, it said that master data was number one in BI. I mean, that's a, that's amazing. But what does that tell me? That just tells me, you know, data quality and MDM are now fundamentally important because everybody's fed up of garbage in, garbage out. So I've been teaching master data management since 2007 in lots of different countries around the world. And I have to tell you, in the last 18 months, the numbers on my MDM classes have just skyrocketed. You know, I think I think GDPR has helped with two types of master data. That's customer and employee. Um, but uh, without a doubt, 
big, big interest in master data now, whether it's customers or products or suppliers or materials or whatever it is. Um, and, I, and I think it's all down to governance and trust. You know, the people want this data is master data for me is probably the most widely shared data of all. You know, you use it in operational transaction systems and you use it in um, analytics. You know, whether it's data science or whether it's traditional data warehousing or whether it's graph analytics, you're going to need master data to, to put context in on, on what you're looking at. So, yeah, I do I see a huge resurgence in that. And, and to some extent, no SQL databases even getting in on the act, graph databases and MDM um, being being looked at. The other thing you mentioned, I think, there was was customer data platforms, which which is another area which for me is kind of like an evolution from customer master data, which is really where you're combining that customer master data with insights coming out of data warehouses and out of big data to give you a, a kind of um, holistic view of of everything you want to know about a customer. Um, uh, and that you can potentially feed that insight into particularly front office applications, whether that's, you know, marketing um, uh, platforms that are doing multi-channel marketing uh, or sales applications such as, you know, Salesforce and whatnot or or, or any CRM application, whether they're contact centers and, 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 and whatnot. So I, I kind of see customer data platform is high priority because I think it's always been the case that um, in the boardroom that uh, that customer data is is considered highly valuable and and I think um, it's not surprising that there's a demand for customer data platforms and we've seen a few MDM vendors evolving into offering you know these customer data platforms. But I think, you know, in order to get the value out of them, you, you clearly need to leverage those in in all the front office, you know, applications, whether that be customer sales or service. So so really I mean kind of you know, I suppose rounding off the conversation, the the you you know, you you talked about kind of going into a lot of organizations and, and helping with these kind of strategies and so on. <clears throat> what what are the kind of the I suppose the challenge with a lot of these questions is where do you start and how do you actually kind of start to get the organization to do something and to <clears throat> I suppose get some momentum in this area and so on I mean what would you what would you say to someone in an enterprise that was trying to get a lot of these things moving you're talking about what what's what's the kind of baby steps they can te- take uh, to get these things going and to show some value maybe at the start I think the first thing that has to happen is is anyone who wants to show value had better understand their own company's business strategy you know, it's always been the case that business strategy alignment for me is number one success factor. You know, I mean, if I am the assumption, well, what it, what it means is like if you if you have a business strategy, it's typically got here are my strategic business objectives. You know, these are the you know this this is what we are trying to achieve as a business. Um, it 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 would also have some kind of. Uh, KPI, key performance indicator, that would tell you or allow you to measure whether you're on track to achieving that objective. 
and it probably has some kind of targets set for that that KPI, such as you know it has to be at a certain level by a particular time frame. Um, and then there are people who are accountable for the business achieving those goals. And then those uh, people will decide on which projects and how much budget's being uh, divided up into you know these projects and associated with these projects uh, in order you know to invest in uh, 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 and make things happen in order to spend the money if you like in order to help the organization achieve those goals um, uh, uh, and so you know at a at a business strategy level you will find that in 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 every business uh, and if you don't find it then then there are much bigger problems but very clearly a data strategy and an analytic strategy need to align with that so you know if it is a strategic objective of improve uh, reduce fraud then what data assets are you producing and what analytical models and what bi reports and what bi dashboards and what prescriptive models that drive automatic decisions are you putting in place to reduce fraud and are some of them running in real time or some of them running in batch or some of them running in a warehouse or some of them running in a big data platform like hadoop on the data center or, or or spark in the cloud you know or some of them running in a in a NoSQL data what what's the deal and and how how does that family of project come together to achieve that business goal and then the same would be again like improving customer engagement then again same thing you know what data projects are you producing? What data are you producing? What um, uh, analytical models are you producing? What, what um, um, BI and reports and, and, and prescriptive uh, models and whatnot are being put together to improve customer engagement? And who's doing them? And, and, and how are they coming together to achieve that? And then, you know, are we able to measure the effect of those? models that have been produced by data science to say, are we actually in do, you know, in doing that or not? Are we retaining our customers? Are we driving new revenue as a result? You know, um, I think the, the fact that you have a, a business strategy really helps organize um, a data and analytical projects, whether they happen to be front office customer related or Back office supply chain or, or, or financially related, and 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 or, you know whether it's everyday mainstream business operations, you know if you drive if you're driving increasing revenue, if you're reducing cost, or if you're very fortunate to do both, then you're wide, widening profit margin and driving value, and and to me, you know that is is really what we have to do here. I mean, I think. There's misconceptions of stuff it all in a data lake and we hire all these people and they're all just going to find golden nuggets and and we're just going to disrupt everybody. I think that's, that's really um, very short-sighted and I think um, uh, erroneous to, to go down that road. I mean, we've been down that road already. We did that with data warehousing 28 years ago. Everyone talked exactly the same thing, single customer view. Everyone talked about, oh, throw it on the data warehouse and we'll just deliver value. Mm-hmm. We, we, you know, we know, you know we, have to, we have to design this stuff. We have to know what we're going after 
And I think that's still the case. That's why I, I, I firmly believe that we need business strategy alignment to make it succeed. That said, you know, the next question is going to be, well, you know, what projects and then what order are you going to do these things? Excellent. Excellent. Well, look, Mike, thank you very much for coming on the show. It's been really interesting hearing your your take on sort of where enterprise, enterprise analytics is going. And uh, yeah, I really enjoyed speaking to you. And um, yeah, thank you very much. And it's uh, yeah, great to speak to you.